Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their businesses. Today, our courageous entrepreneur is Justin Rosen with J. Rosen Financial CPA Services here in Tampa, Florida. And as you can tell by the name, Justin is our first CPA guest. And I'm looking forward to an exciting and thrilling uh, enthusiastic conversation with Justin. But Justin is uh, a client of ours at our co-working space. He's been with us for two to three years now, right, Justin? Almost four years. Four years. Oh, my gosh. He hasn't got enough of it. And uh, I have had the opportunity to watch him go from rags to riches, so to speak, right, uh, and build a company, build his CPA empire here in Tampa in a co-working space. And it's been the, such an exciting journey to watch that with you. So, Justin, go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro of what you want the world to know about you and what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a great opportunity to be here. And yeah, I started, I worked, started out of my house and then moved into Co-Creative about three, four years ago by myself in this actual office with no windows or anything like that. And now I have two offices here and four full-time staff. It's just incredible what you've been able to help me achieve with your co-working space. Man, that's awesome. You know, and this show is not about co-working, but co-working works. It does work. Yeah, for sure. All right. So Justin, I like to start every show this way. Take a minute and share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you. Mm, well, some business people know I'm from New Orleans, but I am from New Orleans. Um, born there, moved to North Carolina in my elementary school days, and then went to college in North Carolina, then came down to Tampa about 10 years ago. And also some people don't know about me is, you know, I like to get in a groove when I'm doing a bunch of tax returns back to back to back, put on a little hip hop music, which lets me get some rhythm. And You do not. I do, just a little bit. But it helps me. It helps me get in a groove, and I can focus, and I can just really knock them out. Why hip hop? I'm curious. I love hip hop, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I just grew up with hip hop. That's when you know hip hop was really in the eighty, late eighties, early nineties, and yeah, stuff like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know. It gets the beat gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay, cool. I I didn't know that about you, mm-hmm. and I work with you. So mm-hmm. great, great example. Okay, Justin, let's get down to business. Our audience loves to know context, right? Sure. How much revenue approximately did your business bring in in the last twelve months? Sure. Last twelve months, we're going to do about four hundred sixty thousand dollars in revenue. Dude, I am so excited for you. It's unbelievable. That is, is that is so cool. Like to watch you go from, you know, home office by yourself, mm-hmm. solopreneur, mm-hmm. to doing grossing half a million a year. Wow, that's just outstanding success story. Uh, and what are you on track to gross in the next 12 months? I hope to do probably 550, almost 600 in the next 12 months. Love that's it. my goal. So you're going <laughs> to bump it by another 100, 120. Trying. Love it. All right, Justin. This is the question we all wrestle with. I mean, they don't know they wrestle with it. I wrestle with this question. Why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs struggle to make their first 100K? I think because, first of all, they're not prepared. They don't have a game plan in place. They just think they have an idea or a product and just roll with it. And they don't think of 
90, like you said, 90% of the other factors that are involved in running a business. It takes people, it takes a business plan, it takes financial statements, and mm-hmm. they think this one product is going to take them to you know, millionaire status, and it takes a little bit more than that. So what I'm hearing you say is that they're not thinking about all the unsexy work. Yes. And it's called work for a reason, as my friend Larry Wingett would say. Mm-hmm. It's work. And it's not just the glorified idea and then the results and the reward. Right. Absolutely. It's It's a ton of hard work. Yeah, right? And you know what that's like, right? So you work with small businesses every single day. And you're constantly attracting new clients to you. What would you say is the one piece of work that uh, they overlook or they take for granted and they don't realize, oh, snap, I got to do that too? Mm -hmm. Like what's that one thing that maybe shows up as a pattern with – many of your clients when they come to you? Sure. Well, I would say about 80% of my clients come to me at the end of the year, after their first year, sometimes even after their second year, they have no idea what their financials look like. They had no budget in place. They were overspending. They didn't know where their money was going. They know they have a ton of sales, but they have no cash in the bank and they can't figure out why. And I'm just like, if we would just, if we could have talked about this day two after you started the LLC and had your idea, you could have had a game plan in place. You would know where the money is, and you could take that information and make better decisions. Where they mm. couldn't make good decisions because they didn't have good data to back up their decision. Wow, that's so important. And it's you're saying like 80% of them, yeah, are coming in that way. Vast majority are come in after the fact versus before the fact. Absolutely. So Startup Nation, listen to what Justin is saying right now. If you're in your first or second year of business, do you know what your books look like? Mm -hmm. Do you know what your numbers look like? Because if you don't, it's going to sneak up on you, right? And you're going to look at your bank account and be like, I grossed X amount. I grossed six figures. Why do I only have whatever, 5,000 in the bank. I still can't pay the bills and I'm grossing six figures. Or you're just barely getting by like Justin's bringing up. So Justin, let's go back in time for a second. We all love to listen to millionaires and billionaires talk about, you know, where they are and where they're going and how they did it and all that. But we struggle to relate to them because we're still on the front lines in the battle ourselves, right? And they're up here. Mm -hmm. They're making millions and billions. And those struggles are completely different than year one, right? Take us back to when you were struggling to make your first $100,000, right? So you're working out of your home, you're a homepreneur, Mm -hmm. you find a co-working space. Take us through that, paint us a vivid picture, and tell us that story. Well, I was working out of my home, doing everything myself from developing my own website to doing accounting to advertising and marketing myself. And I started on Craigslist. I was just going, looking on different areas on Craigslist of who needed a bookkeeper, who needed accountant, who needed taxes done. And I got super lucky with probably my first two to three clients. I have one client who's still my biggest client today who I'm still working with. I interviewed with her. I couldn't make the second interview because I was out of town on vacation. She went with somebody else, and then I, she, the a second person didn't work out, and she called me back that we had such a good interview, and I'm now working with them a lot. They're my biggest client by far. And that having that stability of one or two big clients gave me the stability to venture out a little bit more, have more time to work on my business because I had a little bit of cash flow coming in from those two or three big clients. Mm. And it really allowed me to leverage myself off of them and be able to grow my business on the side while still helping them. 
That's awesome. Talk to me about the fear that you had of pursuing the large clients when you were a nobody. Well, I thought they were going to take up all my time, and I wasn't going to have my own business because I was going to end up strictly working for them. But they were so nice, and they were able to work with me and understood that I had a dream, and I wanted to have my own business, and they were going to be part of my business, but not my entire business, Mm. and allowed me to flex time, set my own schedule, work with them on days that I could be there, but then also work with other clients if I had meetings or a new client potential someplace else. And I mean, it just gave me the biggest opportunity ever to be able to venture out. So it sounds to me like you had some really ideal clients. Ideal clients. Right out the gate. They were flexible. Mm -hmm. They understood your dream, what you're pursuing, which means you communicated your dream, which is very important. Absolutely. So what fear did you have like going and pitching them the first time? Right, because this is a bigger Mm -hmm. client, right? So there's a lot of reward, but there's a lot of risk, perceived risk. Right. You know, what was going on in your head? You know, we all have those voices. Mm -hmm. You're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. This isn't going to work. You're a failure, all that. What were your specific voices saying to you? Well, I guess at the time, too, I wasn't a CPA yet. I was still taking the exam, and I was just thinking that going off on my own, I wasn't going to be able to provide everything that a client wanted me to provide that I was, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing, but until you have that designation of a CPA, you don't truly know. And allowing you having that CPA, you know, you can sign off on tax returns, you can do a whole lot more than without that CPA. And I guess when people would come to me without the CPA, I was worried that, am I going to be able to help them? Am I going to have the knowledge to be able to help them grow and provide what I'm trying to sell them? And luckily enough, I did, but it was definitely a fear at the time. Like what... You can see I'm drilling here, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And, yeah. So I'm, I'm going deep, right? Because, you know, Startup Nation is listening right now. And here are entrepreneurs that are in that, that moment of fear, mm-hmm. right? Self-doubt where you were four mm-hmm. years ago, right? Um, so I really want you to take us there, right? And the best way to add value to Startup Nation and our audience is to get real, vulnerable, raw, um, and share our, your brokenness, right? We're mm-hmm. all human. And to share where you struggled. And, you know, tell us about that. Like, you're coming home. Were you married at that time? I was not. You were not. So you're no. on your own. So who mm-hmm. did, like, you bounce ideas off of? Well, obviously, Mara, my girlfriend at the time. Okay. Yeah, we were not engaged yet, but definitely her. My parents. I had a few other mentors in the industry, friends that, you know, I would just talk to. Some would say my ideas were crazy. Others would say my ideas were awesome and to go for it. And others were like, don't do it at all. But, you know, you got to take a little piece of every single person's idea, make your own idea and follow that. Got it. Is there any entrepreneurial um, uh, drive in your family? Like, have you, did you have examples within your own family of entrepreneurs that were business owners and did well? Mm-hmm. Or... You're the first. No. Both sides of my family. My dad's dad was a business owner in New York selling blouses. Blouses. (laughs) Blouses. Women's shirts. Absolutely. Got it. Absolutely. And then my mom's dad was a business owner in New Orleans at a movement and storage company. So we definitely had it in the family. Okay. So now I'm starting to get a bigger picture Mm -hmm. of why maybe you didn't have a lot of the the common fears. Right. And it's because you had watched mom and dad Mm -hmm. doing it you grew Mm -hmm. up with that like risk what's risk like right like just go 
Mm-hmm. Like, what do I actually want? That's what it's all about. Right. And you got to take risks to have a reward. You know, if you never take a risk, you're never, you might not ever get there. Got it. Okay. I'm backing off that question now. <laughs> cool. Um, I talk about on the show, Justin, uh, a lot about superpowers mm-hmm. and really getting clear on what's the one thing that you're the best at in mm-hmm. your business and nobody else can touch that, right? And then letting go of everything else that is not your superpower. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your superpower? I would say preparation. I go into every meeting fully prepared. I go into every every tax return I'm prepared to do, every meeting I'm prepared. I want to know when I'm going into a meeting that I have all the answers, or at least I think I have all the answers going into it. I go in my head and think about every question I'm going to be asked and come up with my answers beforehand. Well, before I have a tax planning meeting with somebody, I go through their tax return in full, look at all the questions, their income, their expenses, and see if make sure I'm not missing anything. See if there's any questions or value I can bring to the table and make them think about because I don't like to be hit with unknowns. And when you don't hit, and when you get hit with those unknowns, then, you know, it brings anxiety. And then there's a whole bunch of different elements that come with that. And, and you fear. can always, yeah, and fear. And you can always prepare beforehand. There's plenty of time to prepare beforehand. So start, Startup Nation, listen to what Justin's saying. That's a wisdom bomb right there, for sure. Uh, fear dissipates with preparation. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Fear dissipates with preparation. And the reason why Justin is occurring as, you know, somewhat fearless, um, you know, there's probably still some fear there. It's just mm-hmm. light, right? It's tolerable, it's manageable, right. and you can walk right through it or step right. right over it. It's because he prepares. And and preparation is not like just mindset, right? Like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and like saying mantras mm-hmm. in the morning. You're actually going and doing the work of right. preparation, which is like the ugly. You're, you're going and facing the ugly of, okay, let me really ask myself, what are the questions I'm going to be asked? Mm-hmm. What are the concerns this potential client's going to have? And going through that, and I think that's why you're winning in business, is because you're putting yourself in the mind of your customer. Absolutely. And I try, once I work with a customer time and time and time again, I know what questions they're going to be asking me in the meeting. And I can go ahead and prepare the answers to those questions so when we're in a meeting, it stays fluid and we can continue on working at the bigger problems at hand. Man, I love that. You're not scared of doing the work. And that's, that's why you're successful, brother. Describe to us the biggest fail, mistake, or setback that you had in your first year. Ooh. And don't go tell me you didn't have one. Uh, I would say probably undervaluing myself, where when I first started out, I wanted clients. I didn't care if they were paying me $5 an hour, $10 an hour, $50 an hour. I was My goal was to get as many clients as possible. I would go as low as possible on my rate mm. to try to get new clients in. And I think I could have probably got a lot higher if I would have stuck to my guns and really valued myself at market value versus undervaluing myself and just getting the clients so they would sign on the dotted line. That's such a common mistake, mm-hmm. right? Many of us entrepreneurs, that's what we do. We underprice ourselves because we want to win the business, right? And it's really just based on self-doubt. Mm-hmm. It's like, I haven't done it before. I don't have enough little victories in place to know that I should charge X amount. Sure. And it's building up those victories. And I think it's okay, right? Sometimes it's okay to do that because all you're really doing is every time you win a customer, you're stacking confidence. And once you hit a certain critical mass of confidence, Mm -hmm. then you're like, okay, time to bump my prices. Yes. 
because now you see the demand. Do you think that's necessary to go through that? Or do you think, no, you should skip it? Or looking back on your, your journey, you're like, oh, that's a regret. I totally should have like leapfrogged that. Well, I think it speeds up the process a lot where you know, I could have been where I'm at today probably in half the time if I would have started valuing myself at the proper thing. And a lot of companies have cash flow problems the first year, two, or three, where if they were valuing themselves properly, they may not have the cash flow issues. Okay, got that. All right, so that's really important because yeah. you just gave it to us from a CPA perspective. Mm -hmm. You get to see it on the other side. Mm -hmm. So even though it's a common thing that we many of us do as entrepreneurs of undervaluing ourselves at the uh, – end of the year, mm -hmm. it really shows up on the books, right? On our financials as a very negative, impactful thing that happened and can set us back now into year two, mm -hmm. slow down our progress where, you know, we have to, you know, we're just at barely getting by. Right. Rather than we could have started year two profitable with cash in the bank, ready to move on new opportunities that we had the cash to invest in. Mm -hmm. And now we don't. And then it's hard to grow referrals because your referral tells the other person, hey, this guy did an excellent job for me. He's so cheap. You got to use him. And now you're locked, kind of locked into that price. Okay, Startup Nation. <laughs> you know, uh, Justin's kind of persuading me here. Um, he's kind of my hero today. And uh, listen, if you're undervaluing yourself, Justin's pointing out the ramifications, the long-term side effects of doing that. And stop. Just stop right now, mm -hmm. right? Just what is the market rate for your product or service? Look at that. Find the middle. Right. Find the middle. But if you're like coming in way under, that's a problem. Right. And you definitely want to beat your competitors in terms of price it, price if you can afford to do it. But there's a difference between being $5 under and $100 under. There's a huge difference. I think a good place to start is look at what the average rate is for your product or service in the marketplace that your competitors are charging and then charge 10% less. There you go. I like that idea. You like that? Mm -hmm. Hey, CPA approved. <laughs> Hashtag CPA approved. Got it. All right. Uh, describe to us the, like, what was that? I know you didn't have much fear, but- was there any? Was there personally any fear in your first year? Well, definitely like fear because in your I personal didn't... life maybe like maybe you were sacrificing other things for this business. Like what shows up? Yeah, I mean, definitely sacrificed family time in order to start a business. I think every entrepreneur goes through that. That your business almost becomes your life, and mm. your friends and your business are your friends. Um, How many hours a week would you say you were putting in in year one? Oh, easily 60 to 80. It was unbelievable. Got it. See, Startup Nation, I want you to hear that. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing 20 hours a week right yeah. now and complaining like a little schoolgirl, mm -hmm. you need to get over that. Okay? Because if this is your dream, if this is what you want, then you're willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. And it's all work. Yeah. It's hard work. But it's, it's worth it. It, it. It's worth it down the line. Yeah. So what would you say was the best uh, business advice you've received so far? I would say... Um, finishing the job at hand, where a lot of people can start a project and get 95% of the way there, and then they don't close the deal, or they just don't finish it properly, where it's easy to do you know, the 80% of the job, the easy work, but what are you doing about the 20% details of that project? Man, keep going. That's yeah. powerful. That's and I just think, yeah, um, one of my clients, you know, used the analogy in a football game. It's like every single team can get the ball from the 20 yard line on their side to the 20 yard line on other side, but do they get it into the end zone every single time? And 
No, they don't. <laughs> they got to finish the job. You got to get it done. Don't give up when you're very close. Just put in a little bit more work. The last 5% is the hardest, but you can definitely get through it and do it properly. You know, so what you're saying right now is showing up for me powerfully because uh, like yesterday, that same message came up. I was mm -hmm. reading through some blog post or whatever, and that was one of the key principles is don't jump to the next shiny object sure. before you have completed 100%, uh, exhausted all options, all possibilities with what you're currently doing. Yes. And once you've done that, then fine. Then you can move, shift, jump, pivot, whatever. But don't do it until then. And that is such a uh, weakness of mine personally, right? Because I tend to be a starter, a great mm -hmm. starter, but not a great finisher. That's why I partner with great finishers who are not great starters. However, man, sometimes that could wreck me. Right. And it's so much fun to start new projects and do new things all the time. But you got to finish before you do the next thing. Man, it's like you know me, bro. <laughs> Okay, uh, what, share one of your daily habits that has helped you to get to where you are today. Definitely waking up early. I definitely wake up between 5.30 and 6 a.m. every day, put in a good hour of work probably before the sun even comes up. And then that's where I get my quote-unquote catch-up work done and really can get through my emails so I'm not spending all day doing emails, can focus on what are my to-do lists today, what are my top three things I have to get done today and really get all the, the nonsense out the way early in the morning before the day starts. When do you plan those top three things, the morning of or the, the night before? I probably have them in my head the night before, but then I'll focus on them in the morning. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, because uh, I've interviewed some really great, highly successful guests, and they, they say if you're waiting till the morning of mm -hmm. to plan your day, you've mm -hmm. already lost. Right, yeah. You've got to really plan out what are my top three things tomorrow. Right. Yeah, so that's powerful. Wake up and do those things. Wake up and do those things. What is your favorite website, app, or digital resource and why? Oh, wow. I don't know. I use Skype all the time. I know that's not that exciting, but Skype is definitely key to my business in terms of meeting with clients, instant messaging with staff. I mean, Google isn't that sexy of an app either, but I mean, it runs my business. <laughs> Yeah, this function and, and yeah. know, fashion, right? So mm. it's like... Uh, Accountants just don't have the, the fun tools that no one else wants to use. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, what is, you know, let's, this will be the final question in this, uh, this uh, part of the, the podcast, Justin. What's the one thing that you want Startup Nation to hear, to know, so that they can have a breakthrough, they can have a transformation? What's the one thing you want them to know about being successful in business? I would say you have to work extremely hard and you have to work harder than your competitor. If you can't work harder than your competitor, I don't see how you would ever leapfrog them or take market share from them. You have to figure out what your niche is. It, you could, there's so many niches out there. You know, There's so many different product lines, different niches. You got to figure out what you're chasing and work hard to, to find that niche. Got it. That's powerful. Okay, Justin, we're entering my favorite part. This is welcome to the hustle round. Uh -oh. This is where I ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready? Ready. Got it. What's your favorite sound? Ocean crashing. <laughs> yeah, mine too. What's your least favorite sound? Someone screaming at the top of their lungs. 
When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? NFL football player. Love it. Hey, we got a flag football game this weekend. I can't wait. What are you most afraid of? Cancer. Got that. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Working on my website. Hmm. Startup Nation, are you working on your website way too long? <laughs> Sub it out. What secret fear do you have about people? That they're lying to me. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? To put really good people around you and use them at what they're best at and focus on what you're best at. Yeah, huge, huge lesson. What is a new habit you want to form? Consistent exercise. What's a bad habit you want to break? Biting my nails. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Confident, hardworking, and trustworthy. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Anxious. Didn't know where I was going and not as focused. Man, that's just summed up so many <laughs> of us. Yeah. Justin, imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Justin Rosen was a really hardworking, trustworthy guy that I could rely on him. So I heard three things in your thing. Hardworking, trustworthy, and reliability. Those are your things. Got it. And last question, Justin. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Don't worry what other people are saying about you. As long as you believe in yourself, that's all that matters. Fantastic. Justin, what's the best way for our startup nation to get in touch with you if they choose? You can email me at justin at southtampacpa.com, or you can just go to my website, southtampacpa.com. That's southtampacpa.com. Justin, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Thank you for having me. You got it. Startup Nation, want to grow your business faster than you ever imagined? Head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren, and you are made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I will see you on the next show. Cheers.